The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is primarily our Old Testament reading from Jeremiah 23, and especially these words spoken of the false prophets of Jeremiah's day. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Several years ago, when I was living in Kansas and my parents at that time were living in Arkansas, we traveled down to visit them. On the way back, we stopped for the night in Branson, Missouri. Now, some of you probably know Branson, Missouri is a tourist haven filled with all sorts of things that you can see and do. We had not planned on doing any of them. We had just found a good rate on a hotel, and it was about halfway between the two locations. But of course, once you checked in and got into the hotel, there were all the flyers there for all the things you could go and see or do while you were there. And on one of those flyers, I saw the name Gallagher. Jamie must have seen my eyes light up a little bit and said, just go and, and see him. Who's Gallagher? Well, maybe some of you know the name, uh, but I suppose many here might not. He was a comedian that I watched when I was growing up, and his uh, act was a mixture of two things. Fairly intelligent humor, and then at the end, a bunch of mindless fun. And the mindless fun was when he would come out and he would mock the infomercial commercials of the day by introducing the latest product that he had been given to pitch to his audience, namely the Sledge-O-Matic. It was an oversized sledgehammer that he would take and then proceed to swing at everything he could think of, from ketchup bottles to toothpaste tubes to apples to full-size watermelons. He was kind enough to give everybody in the front row a piece of plastic that they could raise up when he began this part of his show. But yes, when the Sledgematic did its thing, it always sent things flying. There was destruction in its wake. Well, today, in our Old Testament reading, we are told that God's word itself is a bit like that Sledgematic. God said to Jeremiah that his word was like a fire, or that it was like a hammer that could just break rocks right apart. Yes, Jesus said to those he was speaking to in the words that are recorded in our gospel reading, that his word comes with such force that sometimes it splits a family right apart. People are separated who share the same blood and DNA. Yes, the word of God indeed is the sledgehammer of God. And when that sledgehammer is swung, we know sometimes that it is going to leave destruction in its wake. And when that happens, we all kind of squirm, hoping that there would be something that could save us from the force that is going to be happening. We wish that something could take the weight of that blow away, maybe a joke or a little bit of levity with such destruction. But God's word, of course, is far more serious than the kind of thing you might see at a Gallagher show. 
For it is God's own revelation of who he is and what is truth. Sadly, this discomfort that comes from God's word, when it comes with all of its force, has caused many people, even in the Christian church, to become less than faithful. And that is true not of lay people alone, but even perhaps more so among the clergy in Christian church. The clergy want to make sure that there's no fallout from anything they say, that there's no division caused from the words that are read, that there's no offense caused by the words that are heard. And so they begin to avoid certain passages of Scripture. They explain other scriptures in ways that no one in the history of Christian interpretation has ever explained them. Or they simply stop talking much about the Bible at all and simply talk about what culture is talking about. Want an example? Well, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the ELCA as it's often known, which is the largest church body to bear the name Lutheran in America, just finished up their what they call their National Assembly, similar to what we would call our Synodical Convention. One of the final policy statements that they passed at that convention was talking about how we ought as Christians to think about non-Christian religions, the other religions of the world. And one line in this document that was proposed said this, we must be careful about claiming to know God's judgments regarding another religion or the individual human beings who practice it. Did you get that? They're saying that God's given us no way of knowing exactly how God feels about religions that do not say that Jesus Christ and his salvation are at the center of their religion. Bravely at this convention, one man stood up, a man who had proposed an amendment in advance to this resolution. He said that Jesus' own words in the Gospel of John, where he said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, all saying the way, the truth, and the life, revealed otherwise. That it revealed that we did know how God felt about such religions. He said that Jesus' words that no one came to the Father except through him were quite clear in revealing exactly how it is that God thinks about any form of religion that does not acknowledge that truth. After he spoke those words, a woman serving as a pastor came up to the microphone and said this. She said, frankly, I'm embarrassed that we're having this conversation right now here in front of our interfaith and interreligious guests. You see, there was the big rub in the room for the passing of this resolution, they had invited clergy and other people from all sorts of different religions to stand on the stage with them. When that word was brought to the microphone by that man, it immediately caused division. Not because he said it in a divisive way, but because Jesus' words were quite clear. Yes, indeed, that woman said that she was ashamed of the tension that Jesus' words had caused. For those words had, in a sense, condemned those who had believed otherwise, other than that Jesus was the only way to the Father. Many of who were on stage at that very moment. 
She was ashamed and she wanted to move on quickly. And they did. They defeated that amendment to strike those words from the resolution quickly, and then they passed that resolution with something like a 95% approval rate that said that we did not know how God thought of other religions who did not acknowledge his son Jesus. But lest we just sit here and cast stones today, we must look inward. For we all have these same impulses in us. Impulses that when there is a hard word of scripture to swallow, we always wish God would give us a little more wiggle room. Especially when that word might divide us from people that we otherwise love and perhaps live with in our homes or our communities or our workplaces, we get a little anxious. We wish it was just apples and watermelons being smashed instead of our own sensibilities. We, too, are tempted to change the word of God just a little bit, tweak it just a little bit, in order that the tension might sort of fade away. We're tempted to tell a quick joke to get over the discomfort that might be there. Or we're tempted, at the very least, to make sure that those hard words that perhaps came up once will never come up again in the presence of those who might find them hard or offensive. But our text tells us simply today, if we are to be faithful to God, there are only two things that we can do in regards to the word of God. First, we are to make sure that we speak the word that God has spoken faithfully. We're to know what it is, and then repeat it in our world. And secondly, we are to make sure that we never say anything and claim it's what God has said, if he has not actually said it. This was kind of at the heart of our Old Testament reading. There God was railing against the false prophets of Jeremiah, both because they didn't speak the true word of God, but even more so because they were making things up and claiming that it was God's word. As he says, they were telling everyone that all was well and that all would be well, even though God's word at that particular moment in history was exactly the opposite that things were not well and that destruction was coming. Yes, no doubt, God revealed how upset he was by those false prophets in Jeremiah's day. And we should have no doubt that he feels the exact same way about those who preach falsely in his name in the church today. And yes, he feels quite the same way when we do similar things in our own personal lives for our comfort. And yes, like I said, we're tempted to do this so often. Because if we are honest, there are so many hard words of Scripture, especially if we're talking about talking to them, to someone, talking about them to someone outside of these walls. Teachings about divorce, about men's and women's role, about concern for the poor. All of those things are very controversial, depending on the crowd speaking about the wrath of God, the necessity of forgiveness and reconciliation among the people of God, or giving, genero- giving generously, well, that can cause tension too, depending on who is there. Talking about prioritizing God over things like money, or work, or sports, or pleasure, or country, or reputation, well, that will make people uncomfortable as well. The God he calls us simply to speak his word. 
He says that if we will speak his word, then he will use it to do what he seeks to accomplish. He will draw people to himself. Yes, he'll allow people to be uncomfortable for a while by his proclamation. He'll allow them to feel that discomfort when he says all is not well, in order that they might truly turn, and that all might be well with them instead. Yes, his word does bring destruction, like a fire, he says. It does cause division, sometimes right in the midst of families. It does send things flying in every direction, like a sledgehammer. But not all of this because God somehow just loves destroying things, but rather because he wishes for all to truly be well. He takes no pleasure in destruction. He does not enjoy division. He is not a God that rejoices when the broken things are sent scattering about. But he does unleash the power of his word to do those things in order to call people away from evil and from their evil deeds so that they might turn from sin and truly have life. For when they turn, well, then God does a totally different work with his word. Oh, yes, he swings that sledgehammer of his word in order to destroy what is broken already. But then he rebuilds with that same word. He creates with that word in the very same way he created with the word back in the Garden of Eden. He puts away sin and gives new life that is found only in Jesus in its place. For while his word is a sledgehammer, it is also his means for recreation. It is the only thing, in fact, that can bring to us the victory of Jesus, that he won on that hill and that he manifested at that tomb. So yes, today, even here among you, God swings his word. And when he does, it will destroy all that stands against him, even things that you and I might be holding precious and dear in the moment. But if we will simply hear that word, and then turn and repeat that word, the end will not be destruction, but rebirth. Not division, but unity. Not death but life. Oh yes, the sledgehammer of God does destroy. But then the Savior of God, Jesus, is delivered. You know, I always wondered as a kid who it was that after Gallagher had done his whole show, had to go in and clean up all that stuff. But we know in this case who does the cleanup after the sledgehammer of God does its thing. It's God himself through the person of Jesus. He comes in and he removes all that destruction and he gives life. Amen.